eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on. Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Pens, uh, I mean, first three-game winning streak since way back before Christmas. And a part of it was a huge win over the Tampa Bay Lightning at home the other night. But now it's on to Tampa. The Southern Road Trip got started on a good note in Nashville. But it's on to face uh, the Lightning and the Panthers in the state of Florida. And here to give us... A little, maybe answer some questions about what's going on with the Lightning. Eric Erlinson of LightningInsider.com. Eric, first of all, thanks for taking the time and doing this. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the uh, lovely weather. I, I love to make people up north a little jealous this time of year when I tell them it's about 84 degrees outside. You know what? It's <laughs> almost 70 here in western Pennsylvania wow. today. So it's like summer. Yes, we're getting a little slice of spring a little early. So, um Let's let let's talk about why the Pens seem to have the Bolts number this year. There was a game very early, beginning of the season, when the Pens had pretty good jump, looked like the Penguins we expected the Penguins to be this year, uh, not the team that we got for the last, I want to say, six to eight weeks. And then all of a sudden, the Lightning come to town uh, this past weekend, and the Penguins start to look like the Penguins again. Uh, the bottom six looks like they're actually capable of doing something. The stars do what they've done all year in Crosby and Malkin, and they score. But but what is it about uh, – I, I mean, this is – I hesitate to call it a rivalry because they don't play enough to make it a rivalry. But going all the way back to the Eastern Conference Final Series several years ago, the, the Lightning seem to draw the best out of the pens more often than not. Probably because of the star power on the other side, right? Like stars mm-hmm. like to rise against stars and Stamkos sure. and Kucherov and Point and Hedman and specifically Vasilevsky. I know Brian Elliott started the game on Sunday, but yeah, there's stars on the other side and that usually tends to get top players to kind of raise their level because you know they know if they don't play to their level, then the other team's top, top players are going to could have the potential to do something. And, you know, I, and look, in both of those meetings earlier this year, the, the Penguins did catch the Lightning on the second half of back-to-backs. It's not an right. excuse, but it is reality, right? Uh, and the Lightning to start the year, that was, I think it was game three of the year for Tampa Bay, started a three-game road trip. They were they were atrocious in the first two, couple of weeks of the season. They looked like a team that had been to three straight Stanley Cup finals and were tired. And uh, so they, they the Pens caught them at good times. 
Um, you know, the game on Sunday, the Lightning actually had the lead after the first period and then just completely fell asleep. All right. They forgot Evgeny Malkin was the guy coming out of the penalty <laughs> box there at the end of that penalty. And of course, he's going to score on a breakaway. It seems like Malkin does that to Tampa Bay every year, no matter who's on the ice against them. Uh, and then, I mean, she's what five goals in the span of four minutes and 55 seconds. I mean, yeah. talk, talk about completely falling apart. I'll be interested really to see how Tampa Bay responds because they didn't play very well against Florida. You know, they're, they're in the middle of this stretch of games against Buffalo twice and Pittsburgh twice, and they've got Florida. They get Carolina uh, next weekend as well coming up. So they've got some opponents who are desperate for points here mm-hmm. and the lightning have not played like they're desperate for anything. Right. And they sagged last night against, against Florida. The Panthers scored a goal four minutes in or six minutes in, and the Lightning didn't have a shot on goal the rest of the period. I've never seen this team during this stretch of success that they've had sag the way they did in that that game against Florida, and they didn't wake up till the third period. And by then, you know, you're down three one, and it's you, you just can't come back to even putting 19 shots on goal against Sergei Bobrovsky. Well, I think there's a valuable question there, Eric, about what are the Lightning playing for at this point? I mean, you could argue they're playing for home ice advantage in a series against the Leafs, right? But that's about all that's on the table. Those two seem destined to meet each other in the first round because of the current playoff format. And without opening that can of worms about the current playoff format against perhaps the the one through eight <laughs> format that so many of us, I think, probably prefer, um, what, what what feels like the motivation for the lightning right now in in that, you know, four points back at Toronto. And again, yes, you can catch them for home ice in that series, but increasingly what does home ice even mean in the NHL playoffs? Even if you you have a great barn, like the lightning have, is that going to give you the the kind of advantage that makes it necessary to really sell out and do all you have to do, give 110% every single shift down the stretch. Nobody gets the Philly flu anymore. Right. No. There's no there's no true home ice advantage. I mean, even even the lighting in 2015, uh, when they went up against the Rangers in the Eastern Conference final game seven at Madison Square Garden, all the mystique. Henrik Lundqvist has never lost a game seven at home. The Rangers haven't lost a game seven on home ice in what, 40 years or whatever. And it didn't matter. Now, granted, you got Ben Bishop in goal at that time. You've got Andre Vasilevsky in goal right now. Like goalies are always the optimal uh, equalizer in any of those situations, right? But I, I'm with you. I don't think home ice really factors into it. I think coaches will tell you they would prefer to have a game seven at home. But mm-hmm. I think if you look historically at the numbers, it's about 50-50, right? And, and even thinking back to that 15 season for Tampa Bay, they set an uh, they set a franchise record with 32 home wins during the regular season. They were under 500 in the postseason, right? Like, go figure that out. Like, it's yeah. just there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it. So, and, and being on home ice, yeah, you get to control the matchups, but that's it. That's the only advantage you have with home ice. Now, you don't even have the the faceoff advantage, right? They change that to where whoever's mm-hmm. back is closest to the goal has to put their stick down first. So, uh, yeah, so there's honestly, to, to kind of make a long-winded answer to actually answer your question, uh, there's nothing for them to play for. They're playing for themselves. You know, they're playing to fit Tanner Janot into the lineup right now, and we'll see what happens with this team before Friday's trade deadline if they do anything else. But that's, that's it. So there is no incentive. There's no reason... You know, if, if you're if you're trying if you're on the ice and you're trying to decide, should I step in front of that hundred mile an hour mile uh, slap shot for a game that doesn't matter, or should I save that for the playoffs? What's your choice going to be? I'm probably right. going to sidestep that and, and maybe save that for the playoffs because you don't want to put yourself in that situation. 
So it is difficult for the Lightning where they're at to match these teams that are trying to get into the playoffs and keep a position in the playoffs compared to what they're going through. Well, I'm glad you brought up Tanner Janot, and I, I we I did not share my notes with Eric before we got started here, uh, but that was going to be what I was going to ask you about next. Is you know I I I'll be honest, I kind of admire uh, the the forthwith nature of Patrice Brisebois the other day, and basically saying like the the L.A. Rams have said in the NFL, "F them picks." Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'll give all the picks I have to give in order to get the guy that I want. And we wanted a guy like Jano. Some people would call him a middle six. Some people have called him bottom six. He certainly hasn't produced offensively this year the way he did last year. So that's a valuable question about whether last year was a fluke or not, and he can continue to provide that. But is there a feeling amongst Lightning fans that, hey, you know what? Uh, Breezeball just did what he had to do to get the, the right guy. Or is it, my gosh, what? We gave up four or five picks and, and and a player for this guy. Are we trying to do too much? It's 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 a debate. There's no doubt because it's a lot of assets to give up for one player, and that one player is not Patrick Kane, right? right. So that's what that's what you're kind of placing the value on. But I, I think we have to kind of take a step back and look at it. Value is whatever the buyer wants to place on it, or what the seller wants to place on it, right? I, and I've used this analogy: you walk down the street, and your neighbors you like your neighbor's car. Man, I'd like that car. How much you want for it? It's not for sale. But what if I give you this? Nah, I'm still not. I don't want to sell the car. Okay, how about if I go here? Eh, nah, I, I still don't want to sell it. So it's, it gets into a negotiation factor. And, you know, it's all about value placed on it. So on the surface, it's an overpay. There's no way getting around that. You give up six assets for one player who's, uh, you know, middle six guy, you know, who's going to play in a third line role here in Tampa. He's not going to get any power play time. He'll get some penalty kill, kill time eventually. You know, but he, he plays a physical game. He's fourth in the league in hits. He's third in hits amongst forwards. Uh, he's among the league leaders in fights the last couple of years. So he's willing to do that for his team. And the other thing that I think has to be factored in here is that this is not a rental player. And I would be shocked if before, you know, we get to July 1st and, and Tanner Janot becomes a restricted free agent, if there's not a long-term extension in his future, and we're talking five, six years, you know, probably in a comfortable team range of two to $3 million somewhere in there where they feel he's going to be a long-term solution because, you know, Pat Maroon has that role right now. I don't know how much Pat Maroon has left in him. He's got one more year left on his deal. So Tanner Janot is a replacement for that kind of role as well. So it's not just a this year situation. And you do have to admire the way that, that Julian Brisebois factored it all out. Right. Right. He said, and I love this quote and, and then gives you the true insight into his mentality. We know the actual value of those picks and, and the odds of them becoming NHL players four or five years down the road. But we also know the value of those players helping this group of players right now win a championship. And that's 0%. Right. So he he's going for it and he's proven the last couple of years that he is bold in his conviction and he's, they identify something, they identify the player that's going to fill that role and they go out and they do it. Everybody said it was an overpay for Barclay Goodrow. Yeah, it worked out pretty good. It worked right? out. Yeah. It was an overpay for Brandon Hagel. So far it's worked out pretty good for Brandon Hagel. So yeah, you are definitely sacrificing future, but you're trying to win now. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And you bring up sacrificing future, the Lightning now without a first-round pick in the next three drafts, um, down to just a sixth-rounder and two-sevenths in this draft. Uh, their first pick is in the third next year, I believe. Yep. Uh, and you, you you cited some of those names that, that people have talked about. Stamkos and Kalorn are both 33. Uh, Belmar and Perry are both 37, right? Uh, Maroon, who you mentioned, is 34. Uh, on the blue line, you've got 34-year-old uh, Ian Cole, 32-year-old Zach Bogosian. Hedman's 32 as well. So when do you think, and this is a question we're asking ourselves in Pittsburgh right now as well, when does the rebuild begin and how much longer can you continue to sell the future for the now? Well, I think there are a lot of similarities between the Penguin situation, the Lightning with their core players. I think the one difference in, in Tampa Bay's factor here is part of their core also includes a Braden Point, who's what, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Nikita Kucherov is 28-29. Andre Vasilevsky is 29 years old. Mikhail Sergachev is 25 years old. So they've kind of got this secondary tier of core players who aren't in their 30s, right? So right. they're not, they're not on they're still on the on the incline of their peak, where you know, some of these guys are on a decline. Uh, a little bit. So it, it, it I, I think as long as you have a Kucherov, a point specifically Vasilevsky, he's the X factor and everything that they've been able to do the last couple of years with the way he plays in goal. As long as you still have that group playing at their peak, I think you're going for it every year. As long as you're in a playoff position, you know, at some point, do you wonder all the amount of hockey that they've played in three years and three straight cup finals? Does it kind of you know, wear on them a little bit. There's no doubt yeah. at some point you get that. And there are, there is a point of diminishing returns. Um, I, I think they, they look, they started to feel that a little bit in the first round against Toronto last year. And I think they had a, a team meeting after game three, I think it was say, no, this is not acceptable. This is not who we are. Are you going to let this window close because you're tired? No, let's go out and do it. And and they kind of, they fought their way back and they found a way to win that series and, and get back to the cup final and, you know, if not for a too many men missed call in overtime or a, right. a, an unhealthy Braden point. I mean, who, who knows how things could have gone in that series, but they pushed themselves. They, they willed themselves back to the Stanley cup final last year. It's almost as if, you know, if I, any of these aging teams, you know, you think the caps, you think the, the bolts, you think the pens, if any of them were able to squeeze one last cup out of this core that they have in place, they would feel like, the 83 Islanders when they, when they vanquished the Oilers, you hear that story all the time that Messier and Gretzky tell about uh, losing to them in the Stanley cup final. And they're walking past their locker room and they expect them to be jumping up and down and spraying champagne and beer everywhere. And instead they all just sat there slumped at their stalls, like with ice packs. Yeah. A a (laughs) sigh of relief. Like we got there, we got to the finish line and we managed to pull it off again. And that's what it feels like. Like all of these teams are just looking to squeeze one more out of it. And if they can, it'll be more a sense of relief than a sense of joy. And legacy. Like it adds to a legacy. I mean, look, the Penguins and the Lightning are the only teams in the past 30 years to win back-to-back titles. That's a legacy right there. If you can add another one, boy, it just, it just adds to more of it. Right. And and I know the Pens had the one back in 09, you know, so they do have a little bit of that legacy with them on top of everything else they did in in the Mario and Yager years. Um, But yeah, there's legacy involved here too. And players, 
players like legacy, right? They like yeah. the legacy. If you can be called a three-time Stanley Cup champion, a four-time Stanley Cup champion in today's age of parody, yeah, there's no doubt. So, yeah, I, and again, going back to what Julian said after making this Janot trade, that basically as the guardian of this group of players, he feels he owes it to them to give them every single opportunity to continue to win championships. Because here's the other thing. This franchise, think about how the stars have aligned to have a Stamkos, a Kucherov, a Point, a Hedman, a Vasilevsky, a Sorelli, a Sergachev, this group of players together at the same time. It's probably never going to happen in the history of the franchise to have this type of talented group of players together at the same time trying to win cups. And, and, I, and I think you factor all that in, and that's when you get an overpay for a Tanner Janot or an overpay for Brandon Hagel because you're trying to build around the core with players you feel can fit in. I mean, Brandon Hagel has been a great fit with uh, Nikita Kucherov and, and Braden Point on that top line, and he's played a, a ton of time on the top power play unit this year. There's no doubt that you're trying to keep that core together and build around it and give them players that can help them win another one or multiple ones. Eric, great stuff. Loved catching up with you. For people that are looking to get the latest on what's going on with the Lightning ahead of this matchup between the Pens and the Bolts, lightninginsider.com, at Lightning Insider on Twitter as well to follow Eric. He's got everything up to the minute ready to go for what should be a fascinating final matchup between the Pens and the Lightning this season. Thanks again for making the time today, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. And just to correct the Twitter handle, it's actually my name with an underscore between it. Oh, my apologies. That's okay. No, Jeez, it's, it's, make it's sure not, get it's it not on the graphic here. It's not on the graphic. So <laughs> at um, Eric with a K underscore Erlinson, two yes. S's on Twitter, and you will get everything up to date and up to the minute, up to the minute, pardon me, on Twitter with what's going on with the lightning. Thanks again, Eric. Appreciate right. it. My pleasure. Yeah, the similarities and the parallels between these two organizations, um, you know, there's a lot of them there as both of them continue to get older. Uh, you just wonder if the Pens are handling the transition to a younger core as well as the Lightning are seem seem to be handling the transition to a bit of a younger core. That transition continues through the trade deadline, Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. The way we will handle it here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff and 93.7 The Fan is we're going to be with you through the whole thing. So about 2.45 Eastern on Friday, I personally will jump on the Odyssey app. Yes, we will do uh, a go live on the Odyssey app Friday afternoon, sort of reacting to the final few minutes of the trade deadline as it counts down to 3 p.m. Eastern. And then after the deadline, I will get some of my friends from 93.7 The Fan, Adam Crowley. Uh, we'll grab Jeff Hathorn. Uh, after Ron Hextall speaks, we'll get together and do a YouTube live version of our first YouTube live version of fifth Avenue face off. How about that? And also record it for a podcast to get up uh, after that as well. Probably I'm guessing if Ron Hextall speaks between three and four Eastern on Friday, we'll get that up. We'll record it sometime between four and five and get it up for you. Hopefully uh, by dinner time, depending on when dinner is for you on late Friday afternoon, early Friday evening with the trade deadline being at three o'clock. You want all the instant reaction to what Ron Hextall may or may not do at this year's NHL trade deadline and how it affects the Pittsburgh Penguins down the stretch and into the future. We got you covered here at Odyssey 93.7 The Fan and right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff.